going to tell you won't explain the mystery of life, but only give you one of my pegs on which I hang my feelings that life is, as I have said, a force made manifest through conditions, that is to say natural chemistry, and that it can take for its purpose and need the most incredible and unlikely matter. For without it, it cannot come into existence, it cannot become manifest. I don't agree with you, doctor, I interrupted. Your theory would destroy all belief in life after death. It would... Hush, Sonny, said the old man, with a quiet smile of comprehension. Hark to what I've to say first, and anyway, what objection have you to material life after death? And if you object to a material framework, I would still have you remember that I am speaking of life as we understand the world of our life. Now do be quiet, lad, or I'll never be done. It was when I was a young man, and that is a good many years ago, gentlemen, I had passed my examinations, but was so run down with overwork that it was decided that I'd better take a trip to sea. I was by no means well off, and very glad in the end to secure a nominal post as a doctor in the sailing passenger clipper running out to China. The name of the ship was the BFC, and soon after I'd got all my gear aboard she cast off and we dropped down the Thames, and the next day were well out in the channel. The captain's name was Gannington a very decent man, though quite illiterate. The first mate, Mr. Burleyes, was a quiet, sternish, reserved man, very well read. The second mate, Mr. Selvan, was perhaps by birth and upbringing the most socially cultured of the three, but he lacked the stamina and indomitable pluck of the others. He was more of a sensitive, and emotionally and even mentally the most alert man of the three. On our way out, we called at Madagascar, where we landed some of our passengers. Then we ran eastward, meaning to call at Northwest Cape. But about a hundred degrees east, we encountered very dreadful weather, which carried away all our sails and sprung the jib-boom and the foretogallant mast. The storm carried us northward for several hundred miles, and when it dropped us finally, we found ourselves in a very bad state. The ship had been strained, and had taken some three feet of water through her seams, the main topmast had been sprung. In addition to the jib-boom and the fore-to-gallant mast, two of our boats had gone, as also one of the pigsties and three fine pigs, these latter having been washed overboard but some half-hour before the wind began to ease, which it did very quickly, though a very ugly sea ran for some hours. The wind left us just before dark, and when morning came it brought splendid weather, a calm, mildly undulating sea, and a brilliant sun with no wind. It showed us also that we were not alone, for about two miles away to the westward was another vessel, which Mr. Selvan, the second mate, pointed out to me. "'That's a pretty rum-looking packet, Doctor,' he said, and handed me his glass. I looked through it at the other vessel, and saw what he meant. At least I thought I did. "'Yes, Mr. Selvan,' I said. "'She's got a pretty old-fashioned look about her.' He laughed at me in his pleasant way. "'It's easy to see you're not a sailor, Doctor,' he remarked. There's a dozen rum things about her. She's a derelict, and has been floating round by the look of her for many a score of years. Look at the shape of her counter, and the bows and cutwater. She's as old as the hills, as you might say, and ought to have gone down to Davy Jones a good while ago. Look at the growths on her, and the thickness of her standing rigging. That's all salting crustaceans, I fancy. If you notice that white colour? She's been a small bark, but don't you see she's not a yard left aloft. They've all dropped out of the slings, everything rotted away. 
wonder the standing rigging hasn't gone too. I wish the old man would let us take the boat and have a look at her. She'd be well worth it. There seemed little chance, however, of this, for all the hands were turned to and kept hard at it all day long, repairing the damage to the masts and the gear, and this took a long while, as you may think. Part of the time I gave a hand, heaving on one of the deck capstans, for the exercise was good for my liver. Old Captain Gannington approved, and I persuaded him to come along and try some of the same medicine, which he did, and we got very chummy over the job. We got talking about the derelict, and he remarked how lucky we were not to have run full tilt onto her in the darkness, for she lay right away to leeward of us according to the way that we had been drifting in the storm. He was also of the opinion that she had a strange look about her, and that she was pretty old, but on this latter point he plainly had far less knowledge than the second mate, for he was, as I have said, an illiterate man, and knew nothing of the sea-craft beyond what experience...